To address our new climate reality, the world needs radical solutions. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment, hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. This is Wall Street Week. I'm David Weston. The UAW has tentative agreements with all three major U.S. automakers. Disney UAW head Sean Fain says didn't leave any money on the table from his point of view. To take us through those deals and what they may mean for the industry, we welcome back now Steve Ratner, chairman and CEO of Willow Advisors, which invests the personal and philanthropic assets of Michael Bloomberg. He is, of course, our founder and majority shareholder. So, Steve, welcome back. Good to have you here. Thanks. In addition to so many things you've done in your career, you're also the lead advisor to President Obama for the presidential task force in the auto industry. You know this business terribly well. What do you make of the deals that, as they've been described so far for the big three? Well, I think we have the details now. I, the package is this thick. I was just reading it. Uh, I think it's a good outcome for both sides, actually. I think the union got what they, most of what they, much of what they wanted and much of what they deserved, which were substantial pay increases. Uh, they got COLA, cost of living adjustments back, um, the right to strike in certain places, things like that. Uh, and I think from the standpoint of the companies, what's really important is that there was no backsliding on work rules, on all the restrictions that made it hard to manage those companies before we restructured them in 2009. And they also did not go back to defined benefit pension plans or uh, company-paid retiree health care, which, of course, everybody would like workers to have, but simply isn't in the playbook anymore in, the, in, the, uh, in today's economy. What about that flexibility? Because earlier on Wall Street Week, you were warned about those work rules because you had to deal with those back in 2008, 2009. There were, there were some agreements, such as, for example, the right to strike, as I understand it, for any individual plant closing. Do you think this will still give the auto companies enough flexibility to deal with the really changing environment in autos? Yeah, I do. I think the thing that the union uh, has to be careful about is, as we've talked about before, the yin and the yang is that when you increase pay, increase costs to the companies, they're talking about eight or nine hundred dollars a car potentially of increased costs. What what can happen then is the jobs can move, that the next plant doesn't get built in the U.S. It gets built in Mexico, and that the right to strike does not prevent that from happening. And that's, the, and that's what's been happening in the auto industry for the last 15 years, the number of the jobs have been moving. It's not a coincidence that the big three companies essentially don't really make small cars in the U.S. anymore. They cannot afford, they simply can't make them with any kind of reasonable profit margin given the cost structures they have. So we all want workers to do more, but we don't want it to cost jobs, and that's the thing we have to be really careful about. Come back to your point about competition moving to Mexico, moving to right-to-work states. There's also competition from non-union uh, producers, for, for example, of Teslas, you know, for electric vehicles. Uh, does this put uh, the big three at a substantially greater disadvantage to the Teslas of this world? And also some, some of the Japanese automakers who, as I understand it, also don't have unions. Yeah, it does. There's no no getting around that. If you increase your costs of a car by eight or nine hundred dollars, you're at a disadvantage. And I always forget to mention Tesla because it wasn't really around in 2009. I was thinking about Mexico and the southern transplants. But Tesla is absolutely a factor in this. And companies like Tesla that don't have unions and pay substantially less. And again, that's the yin and the yang for the unions to think about. Because if 
General Motors and Stellantis and Ford can't be competitive with Tesla, then they're going to lose jobs. They're going to lose sales, which means losing jobs. And, and you can have the right to strike all day long, but if uh, the company ends up closing a factory or reducing the number of shifts, that, that's what's going to happen. What do you make of the question of the shift in power? toward labor. There has been historically a shift away from labor toward capital uh, overall, and certainly in the private sector particularly. Uh, are we seeing a fundamental shift back again, or are we seeing essentially a peak time uh, when labor has the most uh, power and it may well come down from there? I think somewhere in between. I think we're definitely seeing a shift back. If you look at a chart showing days lost to strikes, you'll see that relative to five years or 10 years ago, there's been a significant increase in days lost to strikes. We all know about the UPS drivers and the screenwriters and the auto workers. But you'll also see the days lost are nothing compared to what they were back in the 70s and 80s. So we're not anywhere back in that zip code. I think this is a healthy development, actually. I think that. Uh, capital has benefited too much at the expense of labor. You're in a situation now where people's real wages still have not recovered, given the inflation we've had. But corporate profits have remained quite strong. And I'm happy corporate profits have remained quite strong. But I think companies can afford to do more. And as we've talked about it before, I think, you also have to distinguish between what I call the tradable sectors, which essentially involve exports, and the non-tradable sectors. If the people who work at CVS and Walgreens, to take today's example, uh, want to get paid more, that's fine. And that's not going to affect Walgreens or CVS that much. As we just talked about with respect to the auto companies, you have competition from the transplants in the south. You have the non-union uh, firms like Tesla. You have Mexico. You have Japan. You have China. You've got you to maintain some prudence in the wage demands, or else it's just going to simply end up in more jobs. So look, this is similar to what happened, say, in the 1930s, when we also had a depressed economy and um, workers uh, organized in a more forceful way. And I think that that's a healthy development. What does this say to you, if anything, as an investor? Because all the things being equal, as I listen to you, it sounds like that's going to squeeze profit margins, that you're going to have increased costs of labor, and that's got to come out of somewhere, unless there's a lot of pricing power out there. That's, no, that's absolutely correct. Uh, it is still the case that profit margins are at or near record levels. Uh, part of why companies have done well, the stock market's done well, investors have done well for the last 15 years, really. Uh, is partly low interest rates, but a lot of it also was these, that these profit margins just went to levels that we have not seen in a very, very long time, if ever. And so, there's, they, so, there is some, so there is some risk to that. And as investors, we recognize that we're at peak margins. And for any number of reasons, labor is just one of them, it's very possible that they'll come down a bit. But let's look, in the case of the uh, auto companies, this probably costs them something like 1% on their margins. Um, and so it's, is it going to fundamentally affect their profitability? No. Uh, it's all at the margin, no pun intended, and we all have to accept that. Okay, Steve, thank you so much for being back here. Great to have you on Wall Street. That is Steve Ratner of Willett Advisors. To address our new climate reality, the world needs radical solutions. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment, hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.